Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Seasons come and go, darling, don't Welcome to the Celtic Way Podcast. Great to be with you as always. And as always here with me is Creative Director of Celtic Way, Scott Jenkins. And today we're going to talk about something that honestly, Scott, and I'll get into this probably as we go, you've helped me more probably with this than in anything, this understanding of what community looks like. Because as a person who considers himself at least yeah, the deepest parts of himself, I consider myself pretty introverted and have always been in faith circles that have told me that I'm created for community. And it always kind of messed with me. It's messed with me for years and years and years until I met you and you helped me have a broader understanding <laughs> of that. And so today we're going to talk about community and uh, what that can look like. Yeah, great. Well, thanks for that. And um, I'm glad to hear the influence. You know, the church has had that struggle its entire life. And so when it did come across wonderful people like you, and we couldn't get you into community, we created monasteries. And you go sit in your room all by yourself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But thinking about the Celtic monastic movement, um, just want to clarify, we're not anti-monastic at all. No, um, no. Yeah, the influence of the desert fathers and mothers early on in healthy Christianity. And I, I just read a wonderful article, archaeological dig and everything, find this Celtic village, of course, built in a circle. All these little huts are in a circle. Everybody had their own little hut, men and women, so on. And that in some place in the circle was a was a bigger building. Like, a, not, you know, like probably still sod and all that stuff, but a place where everybody could come in. And so they understood, right, mm -hmm. without knowing personality types, but I mean, introvert, extrovert, but, but also the need to be alone and also the need to come together, right? That's, yeah. that's really a big part of community. And I do, you see that in the life of Jesus as well. You see you do. consistently him going to be by himself and it rarely worked well, but consistently him going to be by himself and then also consistently him intentionally being around others. Yeah. I, I really want to pick up on that piece for just a moment about him going off to be by himself. Mm -hmm. I've been a part of different traditions of Christianity. So coming out of a drug culture the evangelical place was a great place for me to get some structures, some foundation and some scripture and, you know, and, and some boundaries, which I really needed. And I would say like to the pastor or somebody, when Jesus went off to be by himself, what did he do? And they're like, he read the scriptures. Oh yeah. You know, totally made sense to me. Right. You know? And then when I went to graduate school, what did Jesus do? Well, he had a prayer book and it was liturgical and um, he followed, he probably read the liturgical prayers. And I was like, wasn't that something? They go to the living school. And I was like, well, what did Jesus do when he went out by himself? Well, he sat and he'd be, he was quiet and he communed with God. And I was like, wow, that's, 
far out. And uh, and just recently, I have a, a new friend who's a he's a Pentecostal guy, smart guy and wonderful guy. And I said, "What did Jesus do when he? Well, he danced and he raised his hand in the air and he sang to the lions like." This is fascinating, isn't it? How we all look at Jesus through our own lens. It's such now, a good... now it's making me think about what I think about that as as well. Because again, a, a, a guy who loved growing up Catholic and loved quietness and loves nature, you know, I always, <laughs> I did, I always pictured Jesus just like chilling out in nature and really right? enjoying his solitude. So right, looking you know, at the flowers, dancing, right? Maybe yeah, he was dancing. <laughs> yeah, we huh. do. Do you ever read Brene Brown? Do you read her mm -hmm. stuff? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really in. I I love her work. Sometimes her her books are almost a bit dense. Yeah, they're like you have oh. to read each page twice. You know, yeah. but I really appreciate her. I saw an interview with her about her the team of researchers that she has. Holy camoly, she's got it going. I want to read this quote though, because it's just it's like a, a lot of her quotes they stick with me. And they are dense. So here goes. This is what she says. This comes from um, Braving the Wilderness. We are in a spiritual crisis. And the key to building a true belonging practice is maintaining our belief in inextricable human connection. I would have just said our belief in community, but mm -hmm. she's better than I am. She's smarter than us, so she gets yeah. big words, I guess. She does. And then she says, that connection, the spirit that flows between us and every other human in the world, is not something that can be broken. Ooh. However, our belief in the connection is constantly tested and repeatedly severed. And I thought, whoa, yeah, and if nothing else, I mean, you, you want to look at the history of Christianity there, that is, <laughs> talk about constantly tested and repeatedly severed. I find that it, even in my my own self, you know, um, when my wife Chris and I left Holy Family after I retired as the pastor there, and I think it's kind of natural. I talk to a lot of retired pastors who take time off from church. And then the time came when it was time to figure out what's next. And maybe that's what I want to talk about today, because I want to talk about our love for community, our need for community. I believe the Celtic thing can only be fully experienced in community. I, th I think that's true for Christianity in general, to be honest. And at the same time, you and I, we live in an age where people are leaving the institutional church in droves. Now, Chris and I attend an small Episcopal church in Aurora, Colorado called St. Stephen's, and we're, we're there because we like it. We like the people there. The priest does a, a good job every Sunday. Um, the bishop comes to visit once a year, and she's a kick in the pants, and she's worth waiting for. And uh, the people have a good idea of what justice and gospel and community, they, they just live it. It's good. However, having said that, 
And, and I don't want to go down this path. Why are people leaving church today? That's just such a wide variety of responses. I'm always talking to people downtown about that, and I should have started a list. But it's long, and it's lengthy, and honestly, sometimes I think they're really on to something. And other times I think, you know, yeah, just get over yourself and suck it up. And being in community is not easy. Not being a baby, you know. But isn't it interesting that you and I, once a month, we gather a community around our what? Around our faith, our belief, our not not specific belief, but I think for me it's it's gathering around faith, not necessarily my faith, but faith in general, more specifically, yeah. I guess, including Jesus in that conversation. I wonder, Scott, you know, before jumping too deep into that, you know, talking about the mil literally millions of people that are leaving the institutional church in America every single year, which is just mind-blowing. Now, now, that's not a worldwide phenomenon. That's pretty specific to America and Europe and spaces as well. Right. I wonder if there's a, a piece of that because we call it community, but by the actual definition of what community means, community has to be, doesn't it have to be a give take, like a conversation, a, a dialogue? Doesn't that have to be a part of community when so often in our faith spaces, our gathering spaces, it's maybe, maybe it's just too much of a one way conversation. Maybe that's a reason that we could put out there. As you're talking about faith, people are coming together for faith, and then you said, and then and it's about Jesus, then it's definitely about a way to God or, or being recognizing God's presence to us. And if Trinity serves me well, and I, I tend to talk about the Trinity as individuals, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which I know that's not the most wonderful language today. Um and that functionally is how I do it. But one thing that great teachers remind me of is that God, in, in God's self, is relationship. I don't even know how to language that. The core of God's being, the thing that God's all about, is being in relationship with God's self and God created humanity and the world. Of course, relationship is going to be a thing. It's going to be a primary thing. It's going to be our way to experience God in the world. And we just did this thing about nature as, as the ground of being the place where we can experience God. But it's also about the give and take that goes on between people. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think the idea of, you know, I mean, we could debate the Trinity and people have for ever right like we can do that all day long but we won't get anywhere no. I think what what you ended with was really important that the only thing that's important is not that we understand it completely but that we understand that there's a context of community within it within god within the god self you know right <laughs> you want to talk about yeah, that i'm gonna say it yeah and 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 so there we are. We are birthed and we are rebirthed, always being rebirthed in community. And we at Celtic Way, of course, are just getting ready this Saturday to to reignite this this gathering that we simply call Breaking Bread, the Celtic Way. Mm -hmm. And and it is a place of prayer. 
we are singing Taze chants. Um, we're listening to stories from Bridget's life and a little reflection on each one, prayers to match. And towards the end of our hour or so together, we'll break bread, we'll share Eucharist, we'll share communion, and because these are people of faith. I would think that half our crew continue to go to church fairly regularly, and the other half are very faithful Christian people who, for whatever reason, one reason or another, institutional church no longer speaks a language to them or an experience that feeds their soul. So before I continue to go down the line of what can community that's outside of church offer, I want to ask you if you're okay with sharing uh, briefly the story of a little thing that you're doing in a coffee shop called The Chapel. Yeah, well, my wife Susie and I are, you know, like you, our whole mm -hmm. careers have involved being involved with church. And so we are we are representative of the group of people that love Jesus, talk about him all the time, read the Bible together, pray together, like on a regular daily, if not every other day basis. Yeah. And we haven't gone to a an organized church regularly for six, seven years now. I mean, it's been a long time. Wow. And often the conversation comes up about how much we miss it. But the the context which what we became used to, it's just hard to find what we're looking for. And yeah. so eventually it got to the new year and it literally on New Year's Day, we we're talking about this again. And we said, well, we can either talk about it and complain about it, or we can just start doing something, but we don't want it to look like the thing that we we left, I guess, if that's the way to say it. And so we want to keep it intentionally small. What we were involved with was something that was meant to intentionally grow. And so we wanted to do exact opposite of that, and which is why we meet in a coffee shop. You can only fit so many people in a coffee shop. And our goal also is to center on the story of Jesus, so on the gospel messages more specifically, mm -hmm. because we feel like that's some common ground that most people can get on board with. Now, we're not asking everybody agrees with what we talk about, just that maybe if we're talking about Jesus, that that's some safe space for all of us. And then, of course, Susie and I are musicians, so we do some music and we'll introduce some other elements like you talked about. I'm sure we'll do communion. We've done it twice now, and I would say, I mean, and I don't think these numbers are inflated. It's not like we have a big crew, but I would bet 80% of the people that come are faith-filled Christian people who are not going to church and who have oh. for a while. Wow. So it's, it's a really interesting group. And that's who, we, that's why we're doing it, you know, is for people like ourselves. And so, yeah. And uh, just once a month, you know, uh, that's just because partially because that's what we felt like we could commit to partially because we felt like if we did it every single week, it would start to feel too much like church to people. And that mm -hmm. might be a reason they wouldn't want to come. Um, but I'm seeing, you know, Scott, I'm seeing this all over the place. I, you know, I was excited to hear that you guys are doing it out there. We do it on the second Sunday. So if you're anywhere near Eau Claire, Wisconsin, second Sunday of every month at 630 at Cabin Coffee, which is actually in Altoona, but it's close enough. And then a fr another friend of mine is doing something once a month on Thursdays that he calls it Beer Church. That's the, that's the name of it. Really? Yeah. They basically do church in a brewery once a month and he has different speakers come in every, every week. No music. Uh, table conversations another guy up in minneapolis just started something that they call table church 
where he talks for five minutes and the rest of the time is eating a meal together and having conversations around it. So it's starting to hear like this is just happening, not just in Colorado or Wisconsin. You're just, I think these little new ideas of what community could look like are starting to pop up, which is pretty, pretty exciting. It's really great, you know, and I, I can say that I, I'm not anti-institutional religion. Me either. No, I know you're huge, not. Yeah, It's a huge part of my story, and I miss a lot of pieces of it since I've yeah. been a part of it, you know. Yeah, but here we are. Mm-hmm. And and it's happening in so many, like I get these things about Forest Church, you know, that the people are worshiping outside and uh, yeah. yeah, all the time. That's the only place they worship, you know. And every once in a while, I want to say to them, you know, even the Celtic people went inside in the winter. Come on. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> not idiots. <laughs> yeah. But they're into it, man. And they're nature based and concerned about ecology. I like that. And and there's like you mentioned some some aspects that are true for our breaking bread too. You talk about we're creating a safe space. Mm-hmm. Now it's a small group. And you talked about limiting the size. You know, the space can only hold so many t- people. My prediction is that's going to be a wonderful problem you're going to have to face. Yeah, yeah. And my that hope is happen. that if we yeah. run into that problem, we'll be able to reproduce it with other people, you know, other people taking their little group, you know, whatever. I just don't think community works well once you get past, you know, a certain number. I don't know what that number is, but right. I know so yeah. far the two gatherings that we had with, you know, the small group of people was really beautiful because we truly had community because we leave time for dialogue and we let people ask questions or put in their two cents whatever it is you know and that's such a big part of the safe space isn't it because when you're in that space you can you can question from your heart you don't have to worry about god how's this going to be you know because people come and they're seeking they're seeking many of the same things in, in intimacy that i mean i want to share my real journey with you i want to share my real life with you I, I i can't just sit in a large church full of people and i don't get to share jack or or have anybody listen to me i don't get to listen to deeply to anybody else you know right, right, so right. And yeah so- i do scott at the beginning of the chapel that i i I just make sure that I put this out there is that whatever I say, because I do lead a little, you know, I'll share for 10, right. 15 minutes. I just let people know before I even start that there is no expectation that you have to think, believe, or agree with anything I say. And if you don't, you have full ability to even share that you don't, and you're not going to hurt my feelings. Right. I think it'll lead to a really healthy conversation, most likely. Yep. Great. That's so good. We do the same thing. When you're in at the chapel and the small group is there, do you pray together? Yeah, we we have added some elements of prayer to it, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Uh, you know, I went when I was really struggling with faith a number of years ago, I just kind of kept coming back to I don't get it. I don't get I don't get prayer. Nothing about it makes sense to me. But then, you know, over time, you know, really my wife, Susie, helped me get back to this space. So you don't have to understand it. You can just see that it, it's a blessing to your life and be okay with that. And that was yeah. really healing for me. You know? That's good. Yeah. I always liked her. Yeah, she's a good one. She is. One lady said to me, Father Scott, you don't have to understand this. You just have to stand under it and accept it. Oh, that's good. I this like is, that. and I was like, oh, 
Yeah, that works for me. And we started out because, you know, a lot of people come from an Anglican tradition or, or Roman Catholic tradition. And one woman even said to me, Father, the prayers aren't printed in the bulletin. Oh, no, 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 they're not. We're going to kind of experience. She's, and she said to me, I'm not a Baptist. Oh, that's okay. We're going to pray. We're going to pray uniquely. So I just had people to cup their hands. So I always say, this is, this is the posture we receive. And this is also the posture we give. And so, um, let's just cup our hands for a minute and think quietly about what are we grateful for? Oh, well, everybody could do that. And on and on. Oh, well, I'm grateful for this person. I'm grateful for, you know, on and on and on. And that's where we left it. You know, and so the next time we met and people would say to me, oh, yeah, I can pray now. You know, I get this. This is and I said, well, maybe we could just add to that tonight. We're going to mention people's names. We don't have to go into a great just mention their names. You're praying for them, lifting them up. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now it's the thing. I say, let us pray. People cup their hands. I'm like, oh, wow. Isn't that cool? I really like that. I want to ask you, too, about the rhythm, the rhythm of once a month, you know, that's just so contrary of how you and I were formed in, in our early life and our church experiences every week. In fact, in certain circles, if you didn't show up every week, that the class of classification for the type of sin it was was fairly severe. Mm. Right. But now you're saying, and I'm saying, once a month is is good. Yeah, well, and and you and I both know also it wasn't just once a week when you're, you know, when you're working at a church. It's you're there Sunday, you're there Sunday night, you're there Wednesday, you're there for special events. I would say so far that we've only done it twice, but I would say I greatly look forward to going. Yeah. And that's the first time I've been able to say that in a long time. And so I like I like that idea of it. And it also a lot we're we're following the seasons, as I mentioned to you earlier. And so we're talking about winter right now. And it gives myself and and my wife plenty of time to really digest what we're talking about. So what we do is the the conversation that we bring into a chapel is a conversation that started the week or two before on our couch, you know, during yes. our devotion time. And then yeah. we actually on on my podcast, which is Chasing Goodness, Susie and I before the the week before the chapel we talk about the topic so people know what's coming if they tune into the podcast and then we talk about oh i like the chapel that. and then and then after we talk about it at chapel we get to field the conversations that come you know after it when we're running into people or people reach out to us and so for me it allows us to be a little bit more focused also on you know so number one it it's something i get excited about going to <laughs> number two it kind of what's a good word like it allows us to marinate in the con text of no that's so true yeah yeah my big uh, my big sadness about being a, a pastor in an ecumenical catholic community or is was that um yeah we'd have the liturgical year you could tell by the change of colors and we would announce the theme but i never felt like i was connecting that to people like what i'm taking home here's the readings every day here's a no, people are busy, live busy lives. And I oftentimes felt like, I mean, people would say to me, oh, I'm sorry I didn't come to church last week. We went to the mountains as a family, spent time together. I said, don't ever apologize for that, please. Well, I know we're supposed to go to church. That's, oh, you know, I was always tempted. Remember that story? Jesus is like, I have this flock of sheep, but one of the sheep ran off. So I left the flock and I went and chased, tracked down this one sheep, you know. I always wanted to leave, tape to the outside of the door. Um, I'm not here. 
I went looking for one of the sheep that's lost. Go enjoy your day. You know, but I just thought, oh, good. I could do that once and I'd probably get fired, you know, and be like, um, the weekly rhythm, I'm not sure how healthy that is in a society that is so doggone busy like ours. And, and people will come right back and say, you need to put the church first. That is the number one priority. You ought to do that. What I like about the once a month breaking bread thing is that the emphasis of being a Christian is not coming to the building every week, and that's the stamp. This means I'm a Christian. It's it can be helpful. Yeah, was in the chapel. Yeah, when I was a chaplain at a local prison, in the chapel there was a sign that one of the inmates hung up that said, uh, "Going to church doesn't make you any more a Christian than being in a garage makes you a car." <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, you know, I, I I think you know and and. People who are listening don't hear for a second that Scott and I are saying that rhythms within the context of your spirituality aren't important. I would say they're vitally important, but it's not all about that rhythm of going to church every week. It's about the rhythm of your prayer life on a daily basis. And, you know, some of the prayer that that you introduced Susie and I to um, has been so wonderful. And, and, you know, so it's your prayer life. It's how you're engaging in conversations. And I find that you know, just having the once a month is so beneficial because it gives more breath and, and life to those conversations and those prayer times and those Bible reading spaces. And I don't it know, does. it works for me. It works for me. Yeah. And I want to say this when, when you talk about breathing, community is very much about breathing. It's about breathing in the spirit. So you're talking about spiritual practice, reading scriptures, praying, discussing what you're reading, praying for others, then inhaling, right? Nurturing our our soul around that stuff. Becoming more like Christ takes time, like that kind of nurturing. That's part A. And part B that I'm going to be introducing uh, to Breaking Bread this Saturday, for example, came across a group called Bridge of Hope. And they work with single parents all across the front range. They don't have a building. These caseworkers and, and these, these Christian people who work with these single mothers and make sure their needs are being met and everything, meet with them in coffee shops or in their, or not always in their apartment, but in a coffee shop someplace or in a library or someplace where they can have a, a, a real conversation, uh, and have a safe setting and all that. And, and as I was talking to Crystal Tucker on the phone yesterday, she said to me, we walk a fine line, Scott. This whole Bridge of Hope thing was started in a church back east. And we want it to be part of our church's mission. We want, we're a Christ-centered group. We don't require that anybody we help is a Christian or even wants to become one. That's not the point. But we do prefer that the people who are in our ministry are followers of Jesus. And I asked her, I said, do you have some who don't belong to a church? And she said, we do. We have some who, like me, she said, we belong to a church. We have some that don't right now. And, but they're followers of Jesus. And if people, if people were helping ask them to pray, um, they know how to pray and how to teach people to pray. And I, and I thought this may be a ministry that Celtic Way can, can join up to 
as well as Joshua Station downtown where I work in Denver. But um, but part of this is in Aurora, which is appealing to me, and and um, and it's got to be it has to be part of a a community experience, right? We can't just be inward, right? I really, I'm not a Bible thumper, you know this about me, right? Um, but, and I'm not even sure that I can quote it, but I think it's something where Paul says, and I wrote down the chapter in verse 1 Corinthians 12, 7, where Paul says, uh, now you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. And I think that's chapter 12, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 27. And um, one of the things I just want to kind of wrap this up for this episode about community, the purpose, the longing, the meaningfulness, sometimes we don't get in a big church, but we do get at a place like the chapel or a breaking bread is that it is a safe place where we can ask questions about our own spiritual gifts. Like, we're all given these gifts. Isn't it interesting that the meaningfulness, the fullness of life, the fulfillment of, of life, really comes, comes to bear when we lovingly express that in a larger arena? And... I think that it can really strengthen and, and revolutionize Christianity at these home churches. I know these home churches that are very active in social ministry and the chapel and breaking bread can be expressions of, hey, we're here to help. We're here to use our gifts to make the world a better place. And um, so I love both of these parts of uh, community of nourishment, of being together, sharing the journey, and then rolling up our sleeves and saying, what can we do together? How can we get into the neighborhood and make it a better place? We're a lot like the early church. I'm not trying to pick on what the institution has become. I'm really not. But I think the early church was like the chapel, was like breaking bread, small groups, meaningful sharing, prayerful wanting some kind of transformation instead of just an empty transaction and capping that off by saying, we are the body of Christ. We are Christ's presence in the world. We carry the wounds, right, in our hands, in our heart, on our side. We're willing to do that, to be a loving presence and sacrificial presence for the good of the world. For more information on Celtic Way, go to CelticWay.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Celtic Way Colorado or on Instagram at Celtic Way Official. Special thanks to Suzanne Kinzera for the music for this podcast. Seasons come and go, darling, don't you know? Love will outflow from the overflow.
you, you.